Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella here to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing. And boy, do we have a packed show for you. This is the most kind of stories I think we've covered on the show in a really long time. And that's because we have so much on the site right now. Like there's new stuff going on. There are things of our own creation. There are stab edits of the year. Everything's happening. So first things first, we have a shaper reveal for the 2024 Stab in the Dark with Kolohe and Dino. It's presented by O'Neill, and we're going to break down all 13 shapers who are in this year's event. We also have a new cheat codes with Mark Healy. This one's presented by Yeti, and, well, let's just say that Buck called it his favorite of the bunch. You're going to hear about that soon. We also have a story from Paul. Paul Evans, you know him. He's the British guy. Funny, nice voice, incredible writer. Um, He's talking about, this time, a very serious topic. Where are the best surfers from? It's a whole wide world out there, but... The best surfers in the world seem to congregate in four specific areas. He's going to break them down. We also have a stab edit of the year, the first of 2024. And also, we have a long read by Holden. You should see it on the site. I mean, it's just, it's one of those ones you have to dig into over the weekend. It's a really nice read, and Holden's going to give you a little note about it. So, with that, let's drop in. One very important news piece that we missed because it happened just after we recorded this week is Carissa Moore has officially announced that she is not going to compete on the 2024 championship tour. This was something that we presented as a rumor about a month ago and that Sam McIntosh predicted about six months ago. But Chris has finally come out and say it. She's going to compete in Pipeline, but the rest of the year she's going to be off. She may compete in Tahiti as a warm-up for the Olympics, but she will not be going for the world title in 2024. Huge news. Um, I'm sure we're going to cover it more as the days and weeks go on. But for now, just wanted to throw that in here and enjoy the rest of the show. Mikey, for all of us in the Northern Hemisphere, how is it just being shirtless and in surfing and board shorts right now? Because I'm getting fed up with this. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really nice. I, I got to tell you. And it's like this all year round. It doesn't matter what time of year it is here. It's always the same, which is strange. But um, if it's going to be one way or the other, I'm taking board shorts all year. Wow. I'm getting to that phase now where I'm like, it. your humanity just kind of gets back to you. Like I started the year and I got a bunch of new formulas because the wetsuit test. And I'm like, this is great. Um Kind of shocking how much I would still serve in a wet wetsuit just because I think it adds character, <laughs> builds character. And so I'd be like, I could go and get the completely dry one that's been sitting there for two months, or I could surf in this one that's already wet and right in front of me. And I do that a lot because, again, character. Um, but yeah, maybe it is just that, but I'm just at a point now in the winter where I'm just done with it. It's it's There's a lot left and I'm done with it. And the thrill of having a bunch of new wetsuits has worn off. Um, it's just like when you get a new car or something and like after a month you're just a person again you're just back to your baseline uh that's where i'm at now it's just filled with sand and yeah well what i'm hearing is that if you live in europe and you wear a size medium wetsuit mm. um you should basically be knocking on buck's door or maybe his inbox and he might send you a wetsuit yeah give it a go i'm Especially if you're a premium member. Honestly, if you're a premium, prove it, prove it, and yeah, let's get lucky. I like that. What a fun way to start the program, but we've got a lot of news, Mikey. Um, God bless my inbox, and let's get to it. Shaper, reveal, who forged Kolohe's stab in the dark? Daggers. These things were pretty daggerous. A little bit medieval. Some of them were. Some of them were than others. I saw them in the office before they went the end though. Mm, well, there's 13 of them. Unfortunately, one of them is very unlucky, or perhaps, I guess it's unlucky either way because it 
can't win possibly, but it could just get to the end. And it's like, this board was sick. You're dumb, Kolohe. Um, wow. And the mix of shapers. It's here. It's crazy. I'm really excited about this one, Mikey. Should we go through the shapers? Yes. Anything stick out to you about these boards? Uh, okay. Well, we got to go through the sort of OGs, the past winners. So we have Channel Islands. It's Britt Merrick. He's a three-time winner, the winningest stab in the dark shaper of all time. Right behind him is Pizel with two wins. Mayhem has a win. Sharp Eye has a win. And DHD has a win. Those five will obviously be in. Um, or six. Sorry. Or no, that's five. Uh, we also have Pukas, who they've been in Stab in the Dark five times, and they've made four finals up until this point, so they're very consistent over there in Europe. We also have Chili, who's made a few Stab in the Dark finals. Hayden Shapes, who he made one final with Dane, but he actually, interestingly, um, Taj kept riding his boards, the Dark Arts one that he did a few years ago. And though he picked Sharp Eye as the winner, after you know months or maybe even a year of kind of recycling going back through those boards he actually said the hayden might have been his favorite so that's a little um asterisk for hayden as a winner uh we also have t patterson uh xanadu is i believe a new name i don't think they've ever been in stab in the dark before um xanadu is a brazilian guy who was shaped out of california for years he's sort of like an underground dude but is like very highly respected and has made boards for a lot of the best surfers in the world i think right now he's making boards for uh skip mccullough who had a bit of a moment there over the new year. Uh, there's also JS, Jason Stevenson. I believe he's been in four Stab in the Dark finals, but has never won. Interestingly, he's probably the biggest name shaper that has never won. You also have Rusty coming back this year and a real true blue new face in this, and that is Chris Borst, who is best known as Katie Simmer shaper. Um, he also makes boards for Taylor Knox and some other surfers down in the you know San Diego region. But uh, yeah, he's the sort of big wild card in this one, I'd say. Well, I heard today on Slack that he's a genius. We're going to find out more about Chris Boris, I think, next week. We're going to do an interview with him. We, yeah, There's been a lot of chatter inside the stab office that this guy is like Rain Man with creation. And surfboards are not the start or the end of it. He's done much bigger and perhaps even better things than creating surfboards for the best female surfer in the world. So we're going to learn about him next week. We're going to get on the phone with no, him. No, there's nothing better than that. I don't know. He's doing SpaceX. I heard, I heard some things that he made that sound pretty crazy. So we're going to find out more. We'll let you know. What's he got? Flamethrowers? <laughs> uh, think bigger and only slightly less deadly. Huh. Slightly less. I mean, all right. I guess we'll get to that next week, but... One thing that struck me when I saw this list is, whoa, a lot of these boards are 5.11.5. Seven out of the 13 of them, so more than half, are 5.11.5. And I was like, are we just doing half boards now? And I was like, this is really interesting. And so you'll, I mean, we mentioned in the story, you'll also get an overview in Ep1. But basically what shapers are given is the height, weight and standard surfboard length so in Kolohe's case they got 80 kgs or 177 pounds he's 5'11 he usually rides 5'11 and a half um and i yeah, i just it, it's funny seeing everybody just go all right yeah 5'11 and a half but you saw some people like like i think xanadu went the shortest he went 5'10 um dhd touched the 6'0 but most other shapers are right in that range um one that stuck out to me too is just the least volume is T-Pat shape one that is significantly less volume. Like everybody else is kind of in this like, I think right around 29, maybe a little bit shy of it. Whereas he was just like, 
you know, right in there at 28. Um, if I was the shaper, I for sure would have gone 5, 11, and 3, 8 oh, just to fuck with brother. That would have been awesome. <laughs> just to stick out. Uh, it is funny. So, okay, I will say that um, this stab in the dark, because we obviously have these conversations. Like, we send shaper these things out, but then the, you know, the prompts, but then they come back to us with a bunch of questions, um, you know, about logistics and whatnot. And they usually share some thoughts on who they think the surfer might be. I would say this year... More than any year, uh, the shapers got it right. And a higher number of shapers guessed who the surfer was. And I think there were two factors in that. I think one of them was the 5'11 and a half. It's a very specific size. And I think anybody that sort of pays attention to the tour and to... There's probably even like some things out there where Kolohe said that he rides 5'11 and a half. And of course, if you're Mayhem and you're seeing that 5'11 and a half, it's like, oh, it's Kolohe. The other thing is the time of year that we filmed this. So we filmed this in basically the middle or more the end of the 2023 CT season, which means that uh, the surfer could not have been on the 2023 CT. It would have overlapped with it. And you have to think, okay, well, who's not on the tour? That would be a viable stab in the dark surfer. You know what I mean? There are very few, there there are a few, but there are very few free surfers who I think would fit that mold and that like quality level of surfing. Uh, but Kolohe had been on tour for, I think, 11 years at that point, had obviously missed the mid-year cut, and he'd already had a little bit of an exposure on Stab in the Dark. So I think a lot of shapers were able to put all those factors together and guess that it was him. So they had an idea of who they were shaping for. But like I said before, I saw a lot of these boards in the office, and that does not mean that they came in looking identical. They certainly had a lot of variation to them. Mm, mm. Well, I said in an episode before, like, I've been mostly a good boy. I'm trying, I'm so excited that I'm trying not to watch this stuff in advance, but I did go back to revisit, like, at least the early scenes of F1 today, and the opening of F1 is just such a tease. It's, uh, I won't spoil any more than that, but it's just, like, it's awesome that this thing is coming, and uh, go learn about these boards on the site. It's fun. You also get a little bit of a one-liner from each shaper who made them about what they did to that board. So if you like learning about surfboards, which I think we all do, we all do because that's why we do this in general. That's why this fucking thing exists. Go get there and get excited because she's coming next week. Yes, and also on that site post, uh, you have the opportunity to do something really cool. So we have obviously over the years we've partnered with Bet Online to typically cover CT events and you know betting on that side of surfing, but right now uh, they set up odds for Stab in the Dark specifically. So you can go ahead and pick who you think is going to be the winner, if you think there's going to be a broken board in the series, who you think is going to be unlucky 13, so far as if you think the board that wins Stab in the Dark will also be used to win the WSL final. There's like full-on prop bets for this thing. Obviously, with this, you need to bet responsibly. Like, you know, this is just for fun. I hope that nobody bets their entire house on this. Actually, you can't. They have pretty low um, bet ceilings on these things. You, you can't really spend your whole... Uh, your salary on it. Real estate is still cheap in some places. That's true. That's true. But there are some really, really fun odds out there right now. Um, so go get it on betonline.ag. They also have really fun prop bets right now for the 2024 CT season, bets that have never been available before. So go have a look there. And um, yeah, like Buck said, January 23rd, the first episode will drop. Um, this season is brought to you by O'Neill. They made it possible to um, basically bring Kolohe on and make this happen. We obviously filmed it in Indonesia. Um, we spent a lot of time over there with him because we were trying to get as good of waves as possible, and it's coming together really nicely. As we said last week, Sam McIntosh 
uh, mentioned that this might be the best stab in the dark we've done thus far. Um, number nine in the series, and we are so excited to launch it. So we'll see you on Jan 23. See you there. Where do the world's best surfers come from? Mikey, I gotta be honest with you. I saw this. I saw the byline. Good old Paul Evans. And it was one of those ones where I was like, okay, I really want to read this. I'm going to wait for the right time. And when I first encountered it, it wasn't the right time. And I was like, okay, like waiting for sort of like a a billiards reference or something at some point. And it wasn't there. And I was a little bit upset. And to be honest, Paul (laughs) makes up for it, as you're about to hear. (laughs) He's got a voice note for us and he compensates for... I didn't communicate this to him, by the way. I have not. He's listening to this program right now, right now, hearing this for the first time. So he does not know that I felt that way after reading this. Um, it did turn out to just be a kind of an earnest, like interesting read for the most part. <laughs> and um, let's hear from him. And then let's talk about what stuck out to us. huh? Hello, everybody. Evans here. Hope you're good. I'm great. Thanks for asking. I've been surfing a little bit, but mostly fermenting some cabbages and some onions because I actually care about my gut flora. I wrote an article about where the best surfers come from, from around the world, because I'm interested in sort of sporting talent and the various hotspots around the world. Now, I know exactly what you're thinking. Why is it that all of the best snooker and darts players all come from Great Britain? I don't know. I really don't know. But in terms of surfing, yeah, I had a look around the surf world and guess what? The best surfers come from Australia, Brazil, Hawaii and the USA. But I had a little look from within some of those regions where exactly the clusters are and some of the trends. I guess the big takeaway there is of professional surfing kind of defying nature somewhat. In the natural world, a lot of species are marching poleward. They're heading towards higher latitudes um, as the climate changes. Professional surfing seems to be a little different. We're actually warming up. Um, and we do have bands of talent, particularly on the CT, coming in that subtropic region. But if you take a country like Australia, for example, <clears throat> whereas um, maybe going back a couple of decades, a lot of world champs came from Sydney, almost all of them, actually, back through the 80s. Um, and then you look more recently, that's headed towards the Gold Coast and in northern New South Wales. There has been a shift north in Australia towards warmer climes. Sort of a similar thing happening in a way um, in the USA in terms of California. You think back in the day, you, some of your booty wearing pros in places like Santa Cruz. It all seems to be centred in, in Southern California these days, particularly around San Clemente. So a bit of a shift towards warm areas within our regions. I had a little look at that um, and also checked out essentially where produces the most elite surfers to the point where they actually start surfing for other countries, kind of exporters of surfing talent. Um, And a bit of a spoiler alert here. There are some islands, an archipelago that really kind of dominates global surfing in terms of talent output. And it isn't Great Britain. Um, so I guess snooker and darts made its way into the voice note. <laughs> also, shout out to Paul. I mean, he had to give Britain something, right? Like, 
<laughs> Shout out to his gut too. I mean, that's that's cool that he's looking after his microbiome. So good for you, Paul. Uh, Mikey, I mean, the regions didn't surprise me. I think we all know if you've been following surfing for a while, you're like, okay, yeah, US, Australia, Brazil. But that you could the fact that you could group those into similar latitudes was something that never crossed my mind. That kind of fucked my head. Fascinating. And the fact that, I mean, we see this obviously every year, but just the fact that Hawaii, which is not just one of 50 states in the U.S., but it's like this tiny little landmass in the middle of the ocean can produce so many CT talents. The stat in the story is that one in 130,000 Hawaiian residents is on the championship tour. <laughs> like that's, that's fucking wild. Insane. I mean, granted, like, yes, surfing was invented there, depending on who you believe. Um, but just the fact that they're still able to maintain that level of dominance and whatnot, just, you know, so isolated from the rest of the world as well. But I guess that's what you get when the waves are so incredible year round and it, you have such a culture supporting it. And that was one of the other big things that I took away from it is that, um, you know, there are places with really good waves in the world, but where they just don't have the structure and the support to really uplift surfers to that level. So one of the examples that he gave is Indonesia, which I would say, almost definitely has the best waves in the world for a single country, like quantity and quality. And they've only ever had one CT surfer. And also Mexico has just countless, countless amazing waves. And I don't think they've ever had a full-time CT surfer. So uh, yeah, just fun little facts that show that it's not just one thing or the other. It's all these factors combined that lead to places like Australia, mainland US, Hawaii, and Brazil having so many world title contenders year in and year mm. out. You think any like parents are gonna read this and just look at where they're positioned on a globe and just be like, "Fuck!" Just check their latitude. Like, oh just, no, what have we done? No. <laughs> yeah, Paul texted me after he wrote this and he said, um, "Apologies, but you should tell any Costa Rican tour hopefuls that they're better <laughs> moving up a few notches north." Um, so it's unfortunate, but it, it's true for now though. Because here's the thing: like Brazil, right, didn't used to be this dominant surfing nation, but it had this snowball effect. Like they started getting more surfers on tour. Um, they started getting better surfers on tour and it just bred more and more and more surfers. So I think that, you know, any country can do it. I think Indonesia will probably be a big one in the next 10 years. I would imagine them having multiple surfers on tour at any given time. Um, I think it'll happen in other regions as well, just because the wave quality is there and the, and the structure and support is going to get there. So uh, a lot of good learnings from this and a lot of uh, hope for the future, I mm. think. Shout out, I, this one, I did some weird research after this too. Uh, shout out to Leo Fioravanti for being the furthest away from the equator surfer on tour this year, probably in a while. He has Freddie beat Freddie Mirage by just a few notches, um, being from originally Rome. So shout out to him. I mean, I don't think there's been too many people further than him, man. I think maybe Russell Winter would take it. Like, I think the most Southern... Oh, yeah. What about New Zealanders like Ricardo Christie, uh, Maz Quinn? Was Maz on? Maz was on tour, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I feel like they would be North Island, no? I would imagine so, but I yeah, I don't know how far off the equator that is relative to random European points. Mm. Well, let's have a quick look. All I know is that another one I went down to was like, while I was just looking up these things, I was like, I wonder, I was like, okay, how far south does Australia go? And I learned that Bells and Ribera, that way where they have the challenger series here are like within a degree of latitude oh wow the same distance from the equator i was like that makes way too i was much like sense that's for it to, it's to just true. comical it's just like that oh that makes it funnier 
Ooh, New Zealand's pretty far Buck, down. Buck, you also got to check New Jersey. We got Dean Randazzo. We got Dean, but we're pretty similar. Like, the UK, I think Russell has that beat by far. Russell's got okay. him. Okay. Yeah, New Zealand. Congratulations, Russell. North Island's in that 40 range. Let's see what Russ is rocking up there, dude. Russ is up there, man. Oh, yeah, he's up there, man. He's up in that, like, 50 range. They're fucking cold up there. So, yeah, um, if you want to be a professional surfer, go closer to the equator, but not too close, according to Paul. Not too close. You'll get burned. And if you want to be good at snooker, whatever that is, go to, <laughs> go to Great Britain. Cheat Codes with Mark Healy, presented by Yeti. Mikey, I have to say, I think this is my favorite one yet. Uh, I loved Mix. Mix was probably second, but I think this one takes Mix, and I could explain the reasoning in a very simple way. I think I have a friend who's quite good-looking. He's a male, and he was describing to another male friend at one point the art of attracting women. And he was kind of saying, like, oh, like, you don't really have to approach him. You just kind of, like, hang back and, like, you know, let them kind of come to you. And me and my other buddy are sitting there being like, dude, you're fucking tripping. You're out of your mind right now. You're, this is not how this works. Um, I feel like Mark Healy in surfing is the opposite of that. He, this man has had some experience. He has made so many bad decisions. He put himself out there so many times. Like, I feel like I went down a thing today where, like, I just typed in Mark Healy left at Waimea Bay because I remembered something happening like 10 years ago of him just going left on a massive day and like you're going into rocks essentially at that point and he's just talking about like, I don't know, it's funny. Um, and then I learned that he was still doing it. Like two years ago, there's still shit of him going left at Waimea Bay. Um, I think you want the advice from the people that have really been through it and I mean, right away in this thing, when he's talking about his experience, I'm not going to spoil it, Mikey, but his experience with Dave Wassell at some of these outer reefs, I was just in love. Oh, well, let's go to... I was in love. Let's go to a little snippet from Mark. And just so we're all clear, the, the aim of Mark's cheat codes are basically how to survive and thrive in uncomfortable situations, which, as Buck noted, is something that he's been through a lot. So we're going to go to one of his five cheat codes, and the rest you're going to have to hear or see on the site. Well, I definitely try to stay hydrated. Hydration has been a, a big Achilles heel in the first half of my life. I did not drink enough water. I didn't have electrolytes to be able to hold on to that water, and cramping is always what got me at the end of the day. Try to get as much sleep as I can. Have my gear ready at least the day before. Yeah, besides that, just monitor the forecast. Okay, this is the prime window. I don't want to get catfished by a bunch of shitty waves, you know? Another shiny object, go, go for that, go for that, which is definitely how I was before. And now I'm like, 11 a.m. is gonna be when the swell is peaking and still gonna have good wind. We are so dumb. Like no flotation, me and Wassel would go like surf the outer reefs and we had a competition between me and him. This is like no jet skis. Some of the biggest days, I've ever been out chewing tobacco in and you see who could keep their chewing tobacco in the longest if you can make it all the way to the end of the session. <laughs> see your buddy, like no one else around, like cartwheel down a 20 footer, like comes out and I still got it. <laughs> Which is so hard to keep chewing tobacco in, getting pounded on a 20 footer. It just blows up in your mouth and starts going down your throat. And you want to throw up and breathe at the same time. 
like I said, that was one cheat code for Mark. Um, that was actually his first one, just preparing for scary situations. And then he goes into pulling into closeouts and how that's a really valuable skill to learn. Mm. He teaches us how to See? make a barrel. I love it. How can you not love it? <laughs> He's not hanging back waiting for people to come to him. He's fucking packing closeouts. <laughs> That's true. He also teaches us how to eventually make a barrel. He has some really good tips for both forehand and backside tube riding, one of which is from Jerry Lopez, of all people. Um, and I think the biggest one is he teaches us how to survive in the worst-case scenario, and he has some really good worst-case scenarios and <sighs> some really good footage to prove it as well. He's got some crazy GoPro stuff. That The one about your leash blew my mind. The tube riding thing made me happy to go backside. I'm like, I'm going to try that. That makes sense. Uh, well, one of those tricks won't work for you at all. It will work better than not. <laughs> about your visual field folks but i'm like well i should probably think that maybe that is if i'm looking not all the way that way like that's probably part of it like i can still i can still catch a catch a football like i can i can do some things with my when i get the full vision so it made me excited i'm gonna go pack some tubes backside on sunday morning when i guess gonna get okay well this is like to buck's point i think this is probably the most applicable cheat codes we've ever made to every single person because as he says in the beginning of the video like they these guys get fucking terrified as well it may be at a different scale than we're used to like for us it might be at six feet whereas for him it's at 60 but you can take all these same rules and they all apply so go give this a watch. You will absolutely get something out of it that you can apply to your own life. And also, it's just really entertaining viewing. Um, so great job to Will Stiles, who put this one together. He nailed it. And um, yeah, Mark Healy, absolute like wonderful person to work with also. He was so professional. And just as soon as the camera turns on, and even before so, he's just like on. It's crazy. That oh, was my favorite one. Favorite one. Sorry, Mick. I mean, the dolphin thinking about, you know, breathing and all that was cool. But uh I mean, he had me at that Wassel story. Go hear the Wassel story, you'll get it. What does it take to surf 50 new waves in one year? Uh, this is a longer read. It clocked in at 18 minutes, according to our site, which punches a little simple math in terms of the average words per minute a human reads and uh, the word count. Holden Turkey wrote this, as we'll soon hear. He left us a voice note, but to give you the cliff notes, 6K in airfare, a trip to six countries, and three snap boards. So that, and then a lot of dedication, because he gets into it, but on the surface, I'm like, I could do that. Um, he says it's pretty hard, and I believe him now. I think the reason why, though, is because I live in a place, like France is like this too, but here where I live in Portugal now, like you could go the same stretch of beach. There's Costa Rica like this where like if you're at one stretch of a beach and you go like a hundred meters down, you're technically at a different Oh, it's like Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii you could do this in like a day. Yeah. Well here is hilarious. France as well, like you've seen like you it's just like where the beach access is, you pretty much call that the name. And so it's just like you could surf a wave technically from one to the other just if it's a long enough wave. And so in my head, I'm like, yeah. oh, I can kind of do that. But that's because it's a big open beach. And I'm like, there's a technically five waves in there. Um, he took it more seriously than that. That's I think that's what we'd call um, cheating. <laughs> so is. Holden actually went out and found 50 waves that he'd never surfed before. And let's hear from him about why he did it and what he learned along the way. What's up, guys? Holden Turkey here. 
Hope you guys are doing well. I'm back on the pod. It's been a while, so I'm stoked to be back. Um, this week, I am here to talk about a story I wrote, which reflects on a very strange goal that I set for myself in 2023, last year. Uh, it's a story that I had originally anticipated was going to be four or 500 words, and it was going to be a cool, fun, quick little piece to write, maybe an Easter egg for for all of you subscribers. And it turned into a 5,000-word monster, which consumed my life for about a week. But it was super fun. And essentially, last year, starting on Christmas in 2022, I set the goal for myself to surf 50 waves that I'd never surfed. And it was kind of originally inspired by a few things. First, I had a really fun session surfing a wave that I'd never surfed before but had checked multiple times on Christmas Day in 2022. And it was a reminder of how fulfilling it can be to get out of your comfort zone, to break your routine, to go do something completely different and have to work out a new place on your own. And it just feels uh, almost like a little accomplishment that you can add to add to your day. And... I'd always known that new experiences fulfill me, but I did a little research and found some studies that said that novel experiences have been shown to induce dopamine release in the hippocampus. And I'm not Ethan Davis, so I don't know exactly what that means, but I know that dopamine's good and it makes you feel good. And if it comes from novel experiences, maybe having more of them is worthwhile. And so, yeah, I set out starting on Christmas of two years ago, all the way through Christmas of this last year, about two weeks ago, I basically tried to surf 50 new waves. And as the title suggests, the story follows me, um, an altogether average surfer by all accounts, through six countries, um, a move to Australia, thousands of dollars in airfares, multiple broken boards, and a bunch of learnings, lessons, and self-reflections uh, over the year. And that was fun because I, I really obsess over like statistics and meteorology and like weird numbers, things like that. And I'm, I'm kind of the type of person where if I score a spot once or if I, yeah, if I score a new wave once, I'll write down all the info and, and keep it for later. So it was, it was definitely fun adding to that mental database and having a weird goal behind it. And uh, it's definitely not a suggestion that you should try to do it. It's, it. It was actually way more difficult than I expected, but it's more an illustration of the experiences you might encounter if you, if you do try. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. It's a bit of a long read. Estimated reading time, 18 minutes. But uh, I think it's... Yeah. A no longer innocent QE leading 20 year old drops the first stab edit of the year entry of 2024. That's right, it's back. And this is Levi Slauson, presented by Salty Crew, kicking us off. Mikey, would it be brash for me to say that I saw Philippe Toledo vibes in his surfing? Oh, he is on Sharp Eyes. Uh, I think he made that change relatively recently. So there could be something there. We also we know those boards have some sort of magic in them. That's for sure. And he does have a certain compact, explosive nature 
to his surfing. Like he's just so punchy. Like it's crazy. Everything he does feels like he's putting full force into it. And he's just got these like quick twitch muscle thing going on. So yeah, I, I could see it a little bit. You can see a little bit. You get the little hint. Yeah. I mean, some of those airs too, like my God, he does not hold back at all. Well, that's something that baffled me too, is like how confident he is with speed. Like, you see a lot of people just doing something where it looks nice, but maybe they're just getting rid of a little bit of that speed. <laughs> this guy was fucking banging and just hitting these sections. I was like, holy shit, man. Like, yeah. You're and get the hurt. other thing, too, is like he's always been really good at airs. Um, but what I noticed in this edit is that Levi is really good at like transitioning airs now into more maneuvers. And I think that that comes like that's like the next level of performance surfing because that's what you really need in competition. Like, yeah, you can get a big score for one air, but especially at a wave like J-Bay or something like that, where we've seen Felipe do these big airs, but that's not the end of the wave. You know what I mean? It can't be out there. So his ability to like land back in the transition, he does one straight air where he lands back in the transition. It's like one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And also one full rotation where he just like stomps it so cleanly and so perfectly and he's straight into another turn. I think that's like the next level of aerial ability to have that sort of awareness up there to not just land on your feet, but to basically land it into a bottom turn into your next maneuver. That one you're talking about, the the rotation one, where he just keeps going is wild. That clip, I mean, it shows up early on, and I was like, what am I watching? This is insane. So shout to Levi. As the title suggests, it's not a Britney Spears song reference. Unfortunately, if you're a free Britney fan out there, this is not a free Britney program. Uh, she's free. Is she? She's out. You want to lock her back up? Is that what lock her up is about? Are you? She's out. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. All right. Well, she's no longer innocent either. But Levi was on our innocence trip in 2019, along with uh, pretty much every other kid that's now succeeding greatly in the world of surfing. <laughs> <laughs> you were on that, Mikey. You were you were there with Craig organizing it were you yeah craig was a, just a young kid at that time he was just coming up through the ranks and um we got him on yeah <laughs> craig was our mentor on that trip um the other kids on that trip and this was our youth property that we created and every year we talk about doing another one because it was so fun and it was actually so loved by viewers as well just because seeing that new talent is really exciting um, but to your point yeah we had al cleland jr who just had an unbelievable year this year uh, we had Jai Glindeman, who, need I say more, we had Jarvis Earl, who's probably the most promising young Australian on the competition side, and we also had Winter Vincent and Kobe Clements, um, along with, of course, Levi Slauson. So some names that are definitely making major strides in the world of professional surfing, and I definitely don't think we've seen the best of them yet. They've still got a lot to go. They're all around 20 right now, so they got a lot of room to move. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually saw young Levi win a youth surf competition, I believe, that same year. The Quicksilver Young Guns here in Portugal with Kanoe Garashi. He took out he took it out at Super Tubas, I remember. Won like ten K. His dad loves Baja. Baja Saul, we call. <laughs> so that was fun, but I was really impressed with his surfing there. Like he I was like, damn, this kid is really just technically sound. And he is a child. Um, not too many backhand clips in there, but I can say firsthand, especially watching him four years ago, that he's got a hell of a backhand. So, oh, watch what he just put on his Instagram like two days ago. It's, it's just 
yeah, he's a very, very solid surfer. And he's always been a really solid surfer, but just now his surfing is starting to really look big because he's a smaller guy. He's probably around my size. Um, so he's had to create, you know, a kind of like explosiveness to his surfing for it to have the same impact as a guy who's six foot that he's competing against. And he's just gotten there. He's, he's put out some really good clips from Hawaii this year, just doing big turns. And um, yeah, I think he's really found a lot of confidence recently. He also talks about in the interview that we did along with the video um, about the 2% crew and how being sort of adjacent to those guys been like, oh, well, I grew up with these guys. Like if they can do it, I can do it. So I think we're going to see some really, really big things from him this year. He won his first QS uh, this past year, by the way. I watched this live. I happened to, to like see it on YouTube, and it was at the, um, the OBX Pro. And he was against Kolohe in the final and a couple other surfers. But Kolohe had him comboed in the first like 10 minutes of the heat. He had Kolohe put up like 16 points or 17 points or something like that, just like absolutely ripping and Levi went and he, he got one really good score and then he went and did this big backside full rotation to um, get the lead over Kolohe and take out his first win. So he has it um, he has it mentally. I think his surfing is there right now and we're, we're seeing some really good visions of it in this stab out of the year, which also we should note, he, uh, he surfs mainly at that wave yo-yos in Sumbawa, which is just unbelievable air wave, but then he also switches it up and goes over to J-Bay the interesting thing about that, too, is he, he did these trips alongside Taro Watanabe, um, who is kind of like the opposite surfer to him. Like, Taro's all mainly, like, on the face surfing, like, just the best turns you've ever seen. And he said, yeah, uh, I was teaching Taro how to do airs, and he was teaching me how to do turns. <laughs> so it's cool to see two guys that is kind of yin and yang um, that really complement one another traveling together to learn from each other. I think that's a really good way to go about, go about it. Yeah, damn. Well, if that works out, then everybody's in trouble because that's a hell of a combo <laughs> seriously so shout out to levi great edit shout out to salty crew uh he's been with them for a while too like he's been with them at least since i remember doing that trip with them in 2019 so it's awesome seeing like a younger kid have a sponsor for that long i think he's at an age like he's 20 now so i think the sponsors can change a lot like through your teens so to see that kind of long-term relationship is awesome and uh big things coming Ooh, what else, Mikey? Short answer, a lot. Uh, we have a piece on the site about when is somebody going to start paddling into Cyclops or the right. Um, I think my favorite thing about that story, even though it was incredibly well written, I love Allie's writing, is Nate Florence in the comments, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I think almost answers the question, which sounds like this year uh, you could expect to see somebody named Nate Florence paddling those waves. <laughs> so it's nice when the Thanks, world Nate. comes full circle like that. You just get an answer just immediately from the sky. So really solid piece, though. I love Allie's writing. We have, I believe, a sponsorship change piece coming, don't we? Yeah, well, there's just been a few. Like, I mean, we did a sponsorship changes piece maybe two weeks ago, but even more has come in the last few days. So, for instance, we have Al Cleland going to Monster. We have uh, Liam O'Brien going with Visla. Italo just slid his Red Bull sticker up the nose. Um, so he is now full Red Bull. Uh, Dion Aegis is putting former stickers on his board. We think it's kind of a combination of like Team Rider slash he's doing some creative direction for them. Uh, and Nolan Raposa, not on Salty Crew, but on Salt Life. Hold on, though. Hold on. So with the Dion thing, and I love the surfing, but you're telling me he's breaking... 
Dion has had one of the best presences out of any pro surfer ever, I think. He has made surfing look so cool. He's, I think he's done so much for surfing on that front. Like, surfing can look kind of, like, dorky and jockey if, if guys like Dion aren't around, like, making us look fucking cool. Making surfing look like a good idea to, like, people who have taste. But that's, like, the cardinal rule. You can't kind of work for a brand and put the sticker on your board and surf, Mikey. Is that not... Oh, yeah. Is that not... An it's important a, rule. Soft transitions get you, mm, Mikey. I don't like this. But here's the thing: he's a businessman. If I'm thinking logically, I think he could go in there. Maybe he worked into something where he gets a piece of the business, actually, because we know he has um, a pocky. I think he's part of that. Uh, I think he's part of Octopus, maybe as well. I think he might have a stake in that. So. He knows what he's doing. He plays the game really well. Um, he's one of the shrewdest businessmen in surfing, I would say, and one of the most, like, to your point, just brilliantly creative and thoughtful people as well. So I wouldn't um, assume that Dion is making any bad moves. I would assume he's only making smart decisions. So I'm going to, yeah, that, that's got to be the case here. All right, all right, all right. A little bit. I mean, Matt Johnson, are you going to put a sticker on your board? Sorry. <laughs> anyway... A lot more on, a lot more on. Um, Jet Schilling and Sierra Curry are world junior champions. You know that, Mikey? True. You aware of that? True. I'm aware. That happened. Congratulations. That happened. Kelly Slater went surfing with Robert K- FK- RFK? Yeah, one of those initials. One of the Kennedys. Yep. Yep. On another political front, Aaron Brooks got her citizenship um, for Canada. For Canada, so now she could legally fly that maple flag, um, and I say got piped down about it. Billy Kemper won the backdoor shootout. Ooh, big fans! And we have a GoFundMe for Emio Zermak, which is almost all the way funded now. He got hurt at the Vans Pipe Masters, and the Surf World rallied around him. He's had a goal of fifty-five k. He's just behind that now at 50, shot to Philippe Toledo for what? Punt? I think he pumped five into it. Oh, yeah. That was a big punt. Good on you, Felipe. God damn. That's awesome. That's cool to see. That, that's my favorite thing about the American healthcare system is when Felipe Toledo just, you can see the donations. You're like, dude, that's awesome. So, Stab also uh, put $1,000 into that, by the way. I don't know how far you went down the list, but. We like to uh, support our own as well. Oh, Felipe big dick does, man. He did. It's true. We need a couple more world titles, and we'll be there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But what else are we getting to next week's Stab in the Dark? We've got a little chat that I did with Leo Fioravanti that I believe is going to be published soon. And then you've got a rookie class preview. You want to give us any previews of the preview? Any hot takes in advance? You're going to have to ask Paul. He's writing it. I know he's reaching out to some experts on the field. He says that CJ Hobgood has some controversial opinions that may come to Ooh. light. So, Pod's, er, sorry, Paul's going to do the written piece. And then Stace and I are going to come on probably just in a couple days, like early next week. And we're going to do our sort of rookie review and a season preview for 2024. 
So that's sort of the pod schedule. And then we'll be doing the pipe, the pipe preview probably toward the end of next week around. Maybe it'll actually be a combo um, pod with the week's news and the pipe preview because it kind of happens all around the same time. So yeah, very exciting times in surfing right now. There's like so much going on. Stab in the dark is start starting. Uh, the CT season is about to start. It feels like we're over that holiday slump and we're straight back into the juice. Um, you, you just heard how, how many things are already on the site this week and there's going to be a lot more next week too. So Wow. Awesome. Great time to be alive, Mikey. And especially if you're alive and about to commence a healing journey like this gentleman. It's time for the surf sin. I thought I'd sit here underneath the slider, let the goat sit in on judgment day. But the year's 2014, I'm 17 and I committed a surf sin. Went for a surf with a mate. I lent him one of my boards and after the surf, up at my car, getting changed and that's when he noticed a big old ding in the board that I just lent him. It was significant, definitely needed a repair. It was kind of hard to see though because it was hidden amongst the wax. Um, but yeah, I guess as any good mate does, apologized profusely and offered to pay for the repair. I knew about the ding. It was actually my heel that did it a few weeks prior. Um, he just mustn't have seen it going out. Um, but I guess taking advantage of the good person my mate was, I went along with it and accepted his offer. Took it to the surf shop, got it repaired, told my mate how much, and my mate reimbursed me, and yeah, that was that. Feel shit about it. What's my penance? I feel like a lot of surf sins, they're just kind of funny stories, and I love that about them. It's like, oh, that's a... You found yourself in a weird situation, and now we all get to laugh with you about it. And then every now and then, a surf sin comes across the desk where you're like, ooh, yeah, like you probably actually feel bad about that, huh? This is in that territory. Um, I would I would feel bad about this. I would feel just like, shit. Like, I mean, I think it's worse that he got the board fixed and then told the friend the cost. Like, I feel like if the friend just did it on its own, it's just like out of your hands, That's crazy. you know, but if you go and fix it yourself and then say the cost, I guess in any lie, you get to a point where there's no return and you have to either decide to, you can just, it can keep going. And so maybe he felt like after that first interaction, it was already off the track and he couldn't really back down and admit that he was wrong. And so maybe he took it to the guy. He's like, oh, I'll take it tomorrow. I'd, I don't know. I, I would hope because I think most people don't really want to lie unless you're a pathological liar, in which case I'm not even sure if you want to anyway, then it just feels like the right thing to do at most times. Um, yeah. And you probably wouldn't be telling us your surfs in 10 years after the fact or whatever. Either. Yeah. Unless you made up the whole thing, which uh, has probably happened before. Wow. Just to get a free considered. year of premium. Yeah. Is this guy? Oh, this is tenuous he's getting free ding repair free premium who is this guy it is funny that we reward people <laughs> for their for their past description no no we're rewarding them for coming clean it makes sense yeah all right all right what do you got i mean it's the ding thing comes up a lot i think we've had many cases of like uh i think we've had examples of people damaging a friend's board and not bring it to light um, I'm not sure if we've had a board damage. We haven't had this exact situation before, especially, like I said, I'm kind of hung up on like him bringing it to the ding repair shop himself and then, and, and then, you know, charging the friend for it. That's, uh, oof, yeah, that's trouble. That's trouble. What, uh, what do you got on it, Mikey? So 
he did this kind of in it was deception right and it was like yeah it was all smoke and mirrors at the end of the day so what i think he needs to do to repent and to earn his stab premium membership is i think he needs to do the inverse here he needs to be the ding fairy so a lot of us have friends with a garage or a basement or somewhere where they keep a few surfboards and it's just inevitable that some of them have some dings on them so what I think you need to do, ideally it would be for the same friend. I think that would be a nice full circle moment. But if maybe you're not close to him anymore for obvious reasons, uh, and you can do this to a current friend. But I just want you to go, and I want you to actually, it can be three different people, but I want you to go when they're not looking or not paying attention or whatever, I want you to go and take one of their boards that has a ding in it, fix it or get it, get paid to get it fixed and bring it back and put it back. And you don't tell them about it. Um, they just one day they go in there and a board that had a big crack in it is now perfectly fixed and they're like what the fuck happened and that's the ding fairy you're the ding fairy i like that a little ding fairy i like that cute cute mikey um i'm gonna go two-part penance which i believe is the first of its kind and just out of the gates i think he said it was a heel that got through there when do your heels touch your board most going backside so backside is ruled out for this guy for two months, which some may say I'm give, I'm doing him a favor here. Depends on where he lives in his stance, to be honest. And then beyond that, I think the more important part is penance because, like I said, I think it kind of was a lie that started snowballing and then, you know, you just kind of... It's more awkward to admit the truth than to just kind of be a bad person and keep it alive. And I'm not going to tell him to confess to this guy. He confessed to the rest of us, and that's enough for me. What I am going to say is that he needs to take this friend out. Like, just I'm sure he has a, if not the exact number, a rough idea of what the ding repair cost. Let's go higher than that, and let's take the friend out to dinner. It should be a romantic setting. And I would prefer it to be not after like a, you know, oh, we surfed all day, we're so hungry, um, but let's just stop and get somewhere and who cares if it, we're going to be surrounded by people getting dates and eating. Uh, he needs to do it at a place that is like very kind of date cozy, ideally on a weekend night, ideally like, you know, if they have romantic partners to the point where they're like, hey, like I'd rather hang out with you this night. I would imagine it'd be awkward paying. I think most people have relationships with their friends where it's like you just would split if you're going to... I wouldn't really imagine myself going out with one friend in this situation anyway, but he needs to make up an excuse to for why he's paying. Like he just found money on the street or something and let's go out to dinner. Like he needs to just do something to make this happen. For me, the most important thing is to have it be pretty romantic in there and ideally have them surrounded by other people enjoying a romantic experience. So... That's all I got. No backside and uh, get some romance going with your friend. <laughs> Heal up. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. As we've noted throughout this month, we are in our last run of Surf Sins. Uh, the segment is coming to a close, and we're going to bring in something new. I feel like it's time for a little update, so we have some good ideas in mind that we'll let you know about soon. They're going to incorporate Stab Premium members, so watch your email if you want to be included in this, and we will have some awesome giveaways with that as well. Um, we have one more Surf Sin for you that'll come on next, next week's episode of The Drop, um, and it's a really, really good one. We wanted to finish on a banger, and this one just hits you right in the heart. So, um, yeah, like we said, so much going on right now and so much to look forward to next week. And until then, over and out. <laughs>